Hey, good morning. As we continue in our series of uh, The Art of Neighboring, I want to encourage you to uh, keep thinking through uh, some of the experiences that we're inviting you towards. And, and on the, uh, you'll see through this whole series, it's, it's been more than just kind of talking at you, but uh, encouraging you to have discussions and start practices and do different things. Uh, you'll note on the back of your note page, there are some ideas, a, a scripture you can memorize. And we're encouraging you as families, if you can do it. In fact, if there's a family, and we've brought a lot of our kids up uh, in the past weeks, uh, showing our kids memorizing verses. And a lot of our adults are like, that's cute. Um, but maybe you as a whole family uh, might want to try that. If you can, and you can videotape that, uh, send that to Amy Hall, amyh at beachpoint.com. If your whole family's done it, we'd love to get a chance to see that and celebrate that with you. Uh, maybe make you famous. But you'll notice there's some questions you guys can ask. It's interesting. Uh, we're encouraging that. Part of it is, uh, as our kids are learning the same things uh, alongside of us as, as parents, uh, we want to have opportunities uh, or as, as friends, as life groups, uh, where we're talking through this a little bit together and thinking about how to make this more real in our lives, not just uh, ideas in our head, but more real in our life. I, yesterday, uh, it was kind of uh, daddy-daughter date uh, day, and so we, we went and had lunch, and we were talking through the series a little. I was trying to try to explore with my nine-year-old daughter uh, how well she was uh, understanding some of the concepts, and we were on our way to the movies to see uh, uh, Pan, and uh, so she's asking some questions, and then she asked me, she says, Dad, wouldn't it be better if we skipped the movie, put the money in the skip jar, and, and went home and played games instead? And I was like, dang it. Like, yeah, it would be. I really wanted to go to the movies, though. Um, so one of the things we're encouraging you is uh, if you don't have a skip jar, you can get a skip jar. You just use anything. But uh, skip something to help someone. Uh, we're, our hope is that we could raise uh, $3,500 through the next few weeks uh, to help widows and orphans in Kenya through Hope for the Future. You can uh, get the, the tumblers or jewelry. You can read more about the story. You can find out more about that uh, out in the lobby. But uh, we want to encourage you, if, you're, if you have a skip jar, one of the great uh, opportunities you may want to use that for is uh, to help uh, the widows and orphans. Uh, $25 feeds a family for a week, and so it's a great opportunity, and we want to encourage you to be generous people. So as we're thinking about the unique way that we uh, are called to be a blessing in the world, uh, we're going to do kind of a two-week uh, series. This week is part one, and then next week, part two, we'll finish it. But I want us to think a little bit about how we are called to share blessings. Uh, uh, years ago, uh, with our high school students, we, we did a world hunger dinner. And so I, I encouraged all the students who were coming for the weekend. Uh, they were coming on Friday night. I said, don't eat lunch. Come hungry. You're going to experience what it's like to, to uh, eat all over the world. And so we, we just built it up, built it up, built it up. Do not eat lunch. Do not come hungry. Come hungry. Come hungry. And so they did. And so I've got like uh, 40 high school students waiting outside. And we hand them all a ticket. And some of them got a gold ticket, some of them got a white ticket, some of them got a, a black ticket. And so as they came in the room, we explained to them, if you got the gold ticket, go up on the stage. And up on the stage, we had this beautiful table, a tablecloth, china, all the, every, everything that was there. And so they went up and sat there. We said, if you have a white card, sit at the tables. There's just, you know, the fold-out tables and, and, and chairs. And if you have a black t- uh, uh, ticket, you just stand in the back. And so what we explained to them was, uh, all right, you guys that are up on the stage have the gold tickets. You represent this small minority of the world who basically can eat whatever you want. And so all of a sudden, our leaders rush in with In-N-Out. I mean, piles and piles and piles of In-N-Out. Boxes upon boxes. And these kids, and we were somewhat strategic. We put the most obnoxious kids in our youth group up on the stage. 
Travis, you remember, right? Um, uh, uh, so, it, so they're all up there, and they're, they, I mean, uh, there's more food than they could possibly eat, and they're just going nuts. All the students that were sitting at the, at the fold-out tables and chairs, we said, you're like most of the world. Most of the world has a meal, maybe two, but it's usually some kind of staple. It's not a lot, and so each person got a cup of rice and a glass of water. And then we said, those of you with the black tickets, you're like the part of the world that goes hungry every day. And there's a part of the world that doesn't get to eat and doesn't get to enjoy uh, the blessings of having meals like we do. And so you get nothing for dinner tonight. And enjoy. And so we just stood back and kind of watched the social experiment take place. And it was ugly. It was, I mean, kids started crying. They're like, I'm so hungry. <laughs> they're like, they're sobbing, like, because they hadn't eaten lunch and they were only going to eat this little bit. And, and we said, look, you're welcome to share with each other or take by force, whatever. And so they started like coups. They started planning things and they come up and like, hey, would you, sh-? and of course, these kids up here are like, I mean, they've got like the secret sauce, like all over their face. I mean, they, and they were rubbing it in. Like they were like, no, no, you can't have our stuff. Uh. And so it was like an hour of chaos. And so the hour ends and we get them together and we start talking about uh, the experiences and asking them to share how they felt. And it was very interesting as they began to think about the uniqueness of, of hoarding and hoarding blessing and uh, the, the need to share blessing uh, around the world and all these kinds of things. And uh, after the, this discussion, uh, we had an opportunity where we had planned all these parents. So we had parents who brought food from Argentina and Korea and Japan and all these different kind of ethnic foods uh, that they could, everything they could map possibly. And they came in, rushed in again into the room, filled the room with food. Everybody had a great meal and I didn't get fired. And it was really, and it was a nice experience. But it was kind of an interesting moment where you started to realize once again, the unique calling of the Christian to not only be blessed, but to be a blessing. And this is the big idea that we want to share today and we want to explore a little bit and think about very practically how God may be calling us as we think about living this out. So here's our big idea as we talk today, that God blesses us to be a blessing. God blesses us to be a blessing. This is the same idea our kids are talking about today as well. And and, uh, so really from from two-year-olds all the way to more than two-year-olds in our church. Uh, 90, actually, to 97. We have someone in our church who's turning 97 this week. She was in the first service. So from two to 97, this is what we're talking about this week, uh, that God blesses us to be a blessing. Now, notice, in Genesis 12, God is establishing his people. He's building a people. Uh, it starts with one family. And his plan is through one family to bless the nations. Notice what he says. He says, I will make you into a great nation. He's speaking to Abraham, Abram at the time. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And we see this beginning, this idea that where God says, I'm going to bless you and your family and your nation, but through you and through this nation, through this people, all the world will be blessed because you will reveal who I am. The psalmist reflecting on this in Psalm 67 says this, may God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us so that your ways may be known on the earth, 
your salvation among all nations. Notice the so that. This is a blessing from Numbers. You've probably heard it prayed in, in services and, and, and moments. Uh, may God be gracious to us. May his face shine upon us. Uh, and in all these things, notice, so that your ways may be known on the earth, your salvation among the earth. We are blessed to be a blessing. And it's interesting, when the, when the church loves God with all its heart, mind, soul, and strength, and begins to love its neighbor as itself, as we're thinking about that the church can be this blessing agent, this life-changing, world-changing agent. Now, that, that wasn't the way it began. Because if we go back into that, uh, that, that first weekend, as Jesus was ripped away from them, as Jesus was taken and killed before them, that was not what they thought was going to happen. And so what I want us to do today is I want us to look at John chapter 20. I want us to go back into that weekend. I want us to think about what it was like to be the very first disciples caught up in that moment, thinking that the the blessing that they thought was going to come had been ripped out of their hands and how Jesus redeemed that. So would you turn to John 20? We're going to look at verses 19 to 23. If you need a Bible, there's one right in front of you. I'll be on page 1,088. And again, try to insert yourself into this story. Try to think about this before we read these words. What it would be like to have been one of the 11 disciples that are with Jesus to uh, have this final meal with him. What you didn't know was a final meal, but a very emotional night on Thursday of of a meal. He's washed your feet. He's, He's done this weird thing where he's broken bread and they've shared a cup and he's talking about his body and his blood. Um, You've had this time to pray together. And then when you least expect it, he gets literally ripped away from you. You've scattered everyone. None of you can look at each other in the eye because every single one of you has denied him. And not only have you denied him, you watched him be torn apart. You watched him go up on that cross and die. And now your friend is gone. Your hope is gone. And all that, really, the only thing that fills your heart right now is fear. You're, you're, you're set aside in a room. The doors are locked. You're afraid that the same soldiers, the same authorities that came and took Jesus are looking for you as well. And so knowing that, uh, it's Sunday morning and, and strange things have happened. Uh, women have come to you and say, the stone is, is, is moved. The, the tomb is open. Peter and John have run down to the tomb and they have, they have agreed. They have said, they looked inside. The tomb is empty. You're wondering. Now you start to hear stories. He's appeared to Mary, to a couple on the road, uh, to Peter. And now all of a sudden we read this. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, With the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side, and the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Well, as we look at this passage, I don't know, I wonder, have you ever wished that you could see Jesus face to face? Like he would appear to you in your room or you ever thought like, I just want to, it would help me if I could just, if God would just appear to me. It would kind of take away that doubt and kind of help me just kind of move forward. 
Now, before you wish for that, think about this. Every time it seems that Jesus or God, God in some way wants to appear to his disciples or appear to his people, it starts with terror, fear. Just the, the first words are, don't be afraid, okay, or some kind of peace. So it's fear followed by words of peace, don't be afraid. And then almost always a commission or a task to do. Think about the fear. Hey, their hearts are, are uh, filled with fear. The doors are locked. There's a clear sign of this. And then the most unthinkable thing happens. Jesus, boom, in their midst. Whether he walks through the wall or however it happened, Jesus is in their midst. And every single one of them is thinking the same thing. I'm seeing a ghost. I'm, I'm having a vision. But then they realize that all of us are having the exact same vision. We're seeing the exact same thing. And they realize it's beyond this. And Jesus Again, notice he, he wishes upon them peace. Now, the, the wishing of peace in this place is, is much different. It's, mu- it's much more than just don't be afraid. Uh, the wishing of shalom, uh, of peace and blessing, uh, that greeting, that greeting always was more than I, what I wish for you is the absence of, of chaos. It was always the wishing of God's fullness of blessing, that the fullness of his life would come upon you. When someone would greet each other in this way, that really the wish was, I, I want God's best for you. And, and so when Jesus comes and he wishes peace upon them, what he's wanting is not just that the fear be taken away from that moment. What I want in this moment is for God to pour out his best in your life. And, and so notice this, as, it, as this uh, experience happens, not peace like the world offers, a different kind uh, that Jesus is giving. Uh, and now it gets fun. He shows them his hands. He shows him, uh, them his side. And, and think about what he's doing. You're not just having a vision. You're not seeing a ghost. In fact, Luke says it this way. Remember, he says this. He says, touch and see. Does a ghost have flesh and bones? As you see, I do. And so they're looking and they're, they're understanding that Jesus did indeed die. But now everything that he had said about his life and his death and his resurrection has come true. And Jesus is making them walk into the reality of this. Look, touch, see, see that I was really dead, but now I'm really alive. Remember I told you these things. And as they begin to see it, notice what John says. They were overjoyed. Overjoyed. Literally, this phrase means this. You've thought this before, right? You've had an experience where you basically say, it is just too good to be true. And that's what John's saying. We, we were looking, we were looking at each other and the smiles on our face and the joy in our heart was, it was just, it was that sense of saying to each other, this is too good to be true. We could have never dreamed this up. This is amazing. Overjoyed they were. Now watch how, how it, it begins to progress though in verses 21 to 23, the second part. Once again, notice what Jesus does. He wishes upon them blessing, peace, shalom, for them. But the second wishing of peace is joined with a commission, ascending. See, it's interesting because Jesus himself describes himself as being sent. The gospels describe him as being sent 44 different times. There are 44 different times in which we understand that Jesus is one who has been sent by God into the world. And now Jesus says, just as the father has sent me, I am sending you. And so the father sends the son. Remember, Jesus said that, that he and the father, they would send, it would be good that he goes because that when he goes, then they could send the spirit. And now father, son, and spirit are sending the church. They're sending us in, back into the world. 
And as they go, they are sent. Uh, J.D. Greer says it this way, you are sent is the one sentence commission for every one of us, every disciple of Jesus. And it shouldn't surprise us that this is what he says, because once again, what we see is time and time again, when Jesus uh, reveals himself, or, or God reveals himself from the Old Testament all the way to Jesus in the unique ways that he reveals himself in the New Testament, it's always coming upon his people and giving them a commission, sending them out with something that he needs for them to do. You have been forgiven. Now tell others of the forgiveness that God is bringing. You have been rescued. Now go into the world as my ambassadors and tell people of this. You have been blessed. Now go and be a blessing. Don't hoard the blessing for yourself. Go now and take this blessing to the world. And so what he does is he gives them his power. He breathes on them. Receive the Spirit. And this room that was once dead now comes alive. And these, these, this, this group that was completely powerless just moments before now is empowered to change the world. The most unlikely people in all the world to do anything of substance now become the most dynamic, world-changing unit uh, we've ever known. You and I are here today because of the unique way in which this group was empowered to go and be sent. And they are the ambassadors. They carry his authority. You see in that last verse, as you go, you have this authority of mine. And, and an ambassador, and, and especially as we understand this, you, you can see this uh, uh, even as we go all the way back into the life of Abraham. As Abraham tried to get, a, 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 was looking for a wife for his son, he sent his servant out. When he sent his servant out, the servant being sent by the master has all the authority of the master. And so the decisions that the servant would make, that was the servant that, that the master, uh, the decisions the master was at peace with. And now they are sent. They are his ambassadors. They carry his authority. They are filled with his power. And in just days, this group that was hiding away will change the world. So think about this. This, this is the beginning, but this is, it, it, it's, it's so appropriate for us. Here we are, gathered together in this closed up, the doors aren't locked, you can get out of here, but the, the doors are shut, we're all gathered in here nice and safe, singing our little songs and gathered together in our little moment. But notice the unique way in which Jesus comes in. He comes in and he breathes on this moment. And as he breathes on us in this moment, he sends us with his authority back into the world, just as you have been blessed, to find life in me, to find salvation in me. Go now back into the world and share those very things. Be the one, be the sent one into the places I lead you and bring my blessing with you. So how do we do that? How do we do that? Um, In these last minutes, let me give you uh, a, a strategy that we want to share with you that is just, it's very simple. There's nothing magical in this. It's really not that dynamic, but it's, it's simple enough that you can remember it and you'll think about it, but you'll re- realize that in many ways, this, it really captures in many ways, probably how your life has been changed time and time again. This is not something that you have to be afraid of. You'll realize it's very natural. But this is something we share if, if you're new in our church as you go through our Next Steps class and we kind of tell you a little about who we are. When we talk about being authentic followers of Jesus Christ who love the world, uh, this is one of the things that we share. Uh, uh, we believe in being in relationship with people, uh, of not just going out and kind of 
clubbing people on the head, but going out and being in relationship and letting God take the lead. Now notice, when Jesus is sending them with his power and with his authority, in, in essence, what he's telling them is, I'm in charge. I'm the lead. You're just coming with me. Come with me and just do the things I ask of you. And so let me invite you to think through this little acronym we call BLESS. And BLESS stands for this. Uh, it begin, B is begin with prayer. Begin with prayer. It begins with you and God spending time together. It begins with asking God about the unique place and time he has, he has you in. Because uniquely enough, however we want to call it, uh, by his sovereignty, you live in the 21st century in Orange County, California. And you work in the place you do or go to the school the place you do or, or live in the neighborhood you do. And, and taking time to pray through your geography, understanding where he has you now is important. And part of that, as you do, as you begin to pray, is you will begin to see kind of patterns developing. And the patterns can change a little bit, but we call this your 8 to 15. And your 8 to 15 are, are in essence, the 8 to 15 people you seem to be doing life with on a regular basis. They're people that you, the more you pray, the more you have this strong sense in your heart that God is saying, I have you here in this place at this time to be involved in these people's lives, to be a blessing in these people's lives. So whether it's through service or prayer or through conversations or sharing the gospel, you just have this strong sense. I don't know what I'm supposed to do, but God has really laid these people on my heart. Their family, their friends, their coworkers, their neighbors, they might be the casual acquaintances you see again and again and again. Uh, But I want to encourage you, and especially to, to think about those unique people who don't know him yet, and think about that. Now, as you, as you begin to pray and you begin to begin with prayer, think about Colossians 4, where the Apostle Paul says this in the very first verses, that, uh, in verses 1 to 4, he gets to this conversation. And, and what he says, he asks the church is this. He says, pray that God would open doors. Pray that God would open doors. And, and this is a very bold prayer I want to invite you to. Uh, begin to pray. As you're thinking about this 8 to 15 specifically, begin to pray, God, today would you open a door for me to be a blessing for you? However you want to use me, I want to be used to be a blessing in these people's lives. Now, here's what I found from my own experience and listen to the experience of others. God answers and honors that prayer time and time again. That's why I'm telling you it's a scary prayer to pray because if you're going to pray that, God tends to do that. He tends to open doors. He tends to make opportunities. But imagine that if the 800 of us or so that are going to be here today were to begin to pray that daily. I mean, what will will tomorrow look like when 800 people pray that God would open a door that they could be used in blessing? I, I don't know. But it's fascinating to begin to think about the unique way in which God may use you in that situation. So we begin with prayer. But L is very important. It is listen. Listen. One, it's very important that you're listening to God. And two, it's important that you are listening to those in whom he is leading you towards. Christians have kind of a tendency to jump ahead of ourselves, don't we? We we mean well. But sometimes in an effort to be a blessing, we don't really know what it is that, we don't really understand the blessing that God is calling us to bring. We just kind of assume these things would bless your life and we just start doing things. But listen, listen to people. Here, let me give you an example of this. There was a, uh, a group of missionaries that went into this very rural, very poor, very forgotten village in India. And they were excited because they were going to bless this village. And so as they came to the leaders, they said, look, 
we have got resource. We want to be a blessing to you. So you tell us, um, we have the ability to set up for you a medical clinic. We'd like to be able to set up a medical clinic because then we can start taking care of the needs, uh, uh, all, the, all the medical needs of those in your village and surrounding area. Or what about this? We have the ability to come in here and we can set up uh, some kind of school or education center and you can educate the next generation. They can break out of the cycle of poverty. Or we have the ability to build for you a church building. And, and people here could start to assemble and gather together to hear the gospel and to, to be trained and equipped to go out and serve. And now, don't all those things sound exciting? Wouldn't you want to sign up for, that tri- for any of those trips and be a part of that team, right? And so they said, which of those three would you like us to do? And the leader said this, we don't want any of those three. What we want is a mailbox. And what, a mailbox? And they began to understand something that if you were, what they learned was this, that a people group as poor and destitute as this group was, to be as remote as they were, to have as, uh, as much misfortune as they were, a mailbox said that they existed. Without, in essence, without a mailbox, without, there was no sense of identity. No one acknowledged them. They didn't exist on the map. They didn't exist then as a people. They had no worth, no value. And what they began to teach them is, if we have, if we have a zip code... If we have a mailbox, then they have to have a zip code. If we have a zip code, they have to acknowledge that we exist, that we are a people, that we matter. And the more they began to understand this, the more they began to listen, the more they realized that there was something much, much, much deeper. And so they began to pursue a mailbox. It took them two years to get a mailbox for these people. But when they were able to accomplish that, things began to change because all of a sudden these people were identified See, this is what we often do. We mean well, but we jump ahead. We don't listen to what the needs really are of people and the unique way in which God has called us into that situation. Listen. Listen to God. Listen to those that he sent you towards. Now, this third one, uh, many of you are going to like because you have the spiritual gift of this. Uh, The third one is eat together. Eat together. And some of you are thinking, I can do that. But it's, here's the thing. Sharing a meal together is more about food, isn't it? You know that when you have a great family dinner or a great dinner with friends, the food is nice. But what really makes the experience meaningful is the connection. It is, it is, I come from an Italian family. And so um, and we're in no hurry to finish a meal, okay? So in our, it, it, when I'm with my extended family, when I'm with uh, uh, my great uncle, I have to be prepared to sit down for four to five hours in a dinner. It starts with ordering hors d'oeuvres and then asking the waiter to come back in an hour. That's the beginning of the meal because it's all about connection. It's all about, I want to hear about you. I want to hear what's going on. It's about these things. Now, I'm not asking you to have five-hour dinners, but I, I want you to consider this. You have 21 weekly meals. You have 90 approximately a month. So you have about 90 or so meals a month. What would it look like if you were willing to share a couple of those with people that you, are, that you feel God has uniquely called you towards to be a blessing, that you've been listening to God, you've been listening to them? What would it look like to, out of the 90? Now add in your 
frozen yogurt runs and your Starbucks runs and every other run. You got maybe a hundred different opportunities in which you could share that time together. Again, it's not so much about the, 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 the food, although the food becomes this great centerpiece to pull us together. What it's about is the connection. And what you'll find again in that connection, when you are praying, when you are listening, when you are connecting, you have a stronger sense of what it is that God is trying to do. And you don't have to do this by yourself. You can do this as a family. You can do this uh, with uh, uh, your life group. You can uh, host a barbecue. You can host, host something, a party, these kinds of things. But think about this uniquely. What is it like? If, if relationship is important, how can we use the, the 90 meals that we have a month to create connection, deeper connection? Okay, so begin with prayer. Listen, eat together. Uh, the first S is serve. Serve. Now, what's going to happen is this. As you pray, as you listen, as you connect, you're going to start to recognize unique ways in which God is inviting you to serve the people that you are around, to be a blessing, to bless their lives. Again, you won't have to rush ahead. You won't have to anticipate or assume this is what they need. You'll know because of the connection that is being created. I watched my, my wife do this really well this, uh, this past week uh, as she has a, uh, just kind of getting to, to know our, our neighbors and one of our neighbors just going through a very difficult time and all these kinds of things, this very unfortunate things. And as she was listening to those things, what she realized was she's just got to be overwhelmed by all of this. She's got to figure out all this kind of stuff that happened to her. And so she asked me, do you think it would be okay? What do you think? I'm thinking about, I feel like God's saying, you know, give her some meals for a week. I'll provide that and I'll set it up. And so she, she did it. She didn't know if it would be received or not, but she was, as she was listening to those things and she anticipated, she, she went over and shared it. It was very interesting to watch. Here was this person who had shared all this kind of uh, difficult stuff and then kind of broadcast for the world. Hey, my world, my world has gotten chaotic. And then there was this little ray of sunshine. And she, uh, on Facebook, she just says, you know, Kim Stafiri, this, my neighbor, came in, and it's kind of one of those things of, why do you think this way? Why do you do these things? Uh, but it was received so well, and, but the service came, the serving came as a result of praying. She'd been praying for uh, our neighbor. She'd been listening to her and listening to how difficult things uh, had been going. She was listening to, to the, uh, what she felt God was impressing upon her spirit, and she found a way to be able to serve her. Well, the last one is this. It's to share God's story. Share God's story. Uh, Some of you uh, resonate with the words of St. Francis of Assisi where you've seen this phrase, uh, preach the gospel at all times and when necessary, use words. Or you see, if necessary, use words. And you may have heard it one of two ways. And and we resonate with it in different ways. Sometimes we resonate because we kind of capture the true essence of, of integrity of, of life and words matching up together, not just talking at or preaching at people, but our life and our words uh, matching up together. Uh, but some people see this and they, they really like the if necessary because the thought is, I don't, I'm not really good at talking. I don't really need to say things. And I'm glad I don't. You see something like this and you kind of are glad that you won't have to talk. And the reality is, uh, I don't think this is what he intended, and I don't think this is what the, the, the scriptures teach either. Instead, we have to be prepared to share, uh, share the hope that we have. We have to be prepared for these things, the unique way in which the world looks at us differently, and the unique way our story interacts with theirs. And again, I think what you'll find is this. As you're connecting with people, as you're going into the world of, of our people, what you're going to find is this, that as you pray and listen, as you're connecting, as you're finding ways to serve and things like that, 
there will become opportunities for your story to intersect with their story. Now, in those moments, I don't want you to get an anxious heart and think, oh man, here it comes, here it comes. Like you're going to throw up all over them. And, like, and when I was eight, my mom started taking me to church and you, like, you feel like you've got to tell the whole long you know, testimony story. Maybe that will happen. But instead, I think what you'll find is this, that the more you spend time relating and connecting with people, the more you'll realize that the very unique way in which God has, you'll start to understand why God has placed you in the lives of those people. Because there will be moments in which your stories connect and moments in which God has intersected in your story in ways that you can speak into their story, not out of a place of sympathy, but out of a place of empathy. You have been there. And the unique way in which Christ ministered to you, the church ministered to you, in which God in some ways brought blessing to your life. And you're able to share that and in a unique way as you're being able to take a blessing that's been received, you're, you're trying to uh, share it in the unique way that blessing can be shared. We'll talk more about this next week, about the unique way in which we share our story. But, but this is the encouraging thing. Uh, God took an unlikely bunch and he changed the world. This is good news for you and I. Uh, because God is still using people like you and I, people who seem to have no, no power on our own, uh, no strength on our own. And yet, well, here's what we see. 2 Corinthians 5, we are Christ's ambassadors. We're the ones, we're his sent ones, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. We are the ones who get to share this message with the world. We have been blessed to be brought to peace with God. We've been reconciled with God. And he says, now that you have been brought to peace with God, go into the world and be my ambassador and let me use you to bring others to peace with me as well. And so let's pray for that very thing. And so let's take a second. Let me invite you just to to think and to ask God, Lord, who, who are you laying on my heart? Who do you want me to be aware of? Maybe you need to just thank him for the unique blessings, the blessing of salvation, the blessing of his presence, maybe in a difficult time. Think of some of those blessings and give him thanks and ask him, Lord, how are you calling me back into the world? You've blessed me. Now, how do you want me to bless others? How are you wanting to use me? And as you listen, write those things down. Capture those things. Share them with others later today or this week. That God's impressing these things on me. I feel like he's inviting me to these things. So take a moment, listen, and then we'll sing uh, in our final moments.